there's two curious things I have to know. One is where where did Misty actually stop? And the second is why did Daryl bring Alcoholics Anonymous textbook in here? <laughs> so both of those, as we start dun, our dun, dun. podcast, well, you are see, on my mind. Last week I got mocked for not having a big book and laid oh, out he, like all of y'all. And so I thought I, I would come prepared today. He's got his Bible, this has two nothing books. to do with our topic today. This was just all He's about two image. Bibles? He's got two different Three. Bibles. I've got a third Bible oh. there. And so I thought, you never book. know, maybe you need the big book. Oh. Yeah, He's yeah. got his Bible. We're, we're not exaggerating. His organizer. His I like coffee, big books and colored to do list. And I've prepared <laughs> nothing for today. This is just all <laughs> an Enneagram 3's image right here there this is go. just to convey an image that i've got it together we so. didn't know you actually had a printed bible actually so <laughs> well, that's why i did. thought i would bring three of them just <laughs> so daryl's a poser what he's What's a poser, poser? That's he's right. a poser. i thought you were calling me his opposer <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I don't oppose you're, Daryl. you're younger than the rest of us but you're old enough to know what a poser, I know is. What a poser is okay good all right and so that's that's a big part of our discussion is uh, all the things that Daryl brought just to impress us that he's never going to use. Is <laughs> is the Alcoholics Anonymous book like the biggest book you own besides Harry Potter? No, I probably have a concordance or, or a, his, a concordance. His Enneagram yeah, book. Concordance or two. <laughs> yeah, I do have some pretty big Enneagram books. This was actually given to me. So. We figured. Okay, and so Misty, where did you stop? Well, I, I don't know. I kind of just dove in and started... You know, because some things you know what you know, but then it's, you have... But do you know what you know? do you know what you know? And the listener has yeah. absolutely no, no idea, idea what we're even yeah. talking about for, right now. <laughs> for me, on this theme, this the topic that we're on today, as I began to study it years ago, it was, I don't really know what I think I know. Right. Mm. Because I know what the words are, but, but processing it through, right. that's what I don't know. Yeah. And to be honest, I still don't know if I know. I don't either. Yeah. So, Joni, with your all your notes. All of my <laughs> notes. Introduce the topic today, would you please, for our two should, listeners. Should we introduce ourselves first, Hi, just in yes. case? Kelly. So, welcome Joe. to our podcast. This is Joni. I'm, I'm Jamie. I'm Daryl. Misty. I, I got, like, peer pressured into introducing ourselves first. But um, today we are talking about... The word about you're looking for is bullied. Bullied. <laughs> peer pressured. Bullied. You can't say bullied anymore, I don't think. No, it's bully-like behavior. I think you can you say go. bully. You can't be a bully. Oh, Those are <laughs> is that how it goes? <laughs> don't, <laughs> I don't know. Today we're talking about atonement, I think. Is that right? Atonement? That is right. Oh, good. I studied I studied well. <laughs> so, but introduce it for us. What is, what is the basic idea behind atonement? Atonement is the why. Why did Jesus have to die for our sins? We know that he died for our sins, or that we know that he died, but what was the reason? Okay, the so why. the why, for for me, it's the word for. That's what I hang, that, to me, that is what, what's going on. Jesus died for our sins. That means something. What does it mean? Um, you're, you're nodding. No, I'm I'm follow, nodding and I'm following what you're saying. I'm not nodding in that I have a, a reply. And you also have your. Are you trying? I'm to trying to get to the cram. Wor- are you trying to get the wordle 
of the day. <laughs> like, no, it's I, not atonement. That is way more <laughs> than five letters. I did when I opened my phone. Uh, it, it, it was there. So. Uh. But no, I was trying to search for something real quick. Okay. Okay. So You're so never going to get it with those letters. It's the word It's the mm. word for. for. What does right. it mean that Jesus died? F- I mean, I believe it. The scriptures mm. teach it. But it all goes down to what's going on on the cross. Mm-hmm. What 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 is that all about? And it, Go ahead. I would like to interject here. For the bulk of my Christian life, I was never taught, one, that these were atonement theories, and two, that there were more than one. I was so almost sheltered in mm-hmm. in the the belief system that I was raised in. It was it was there was never other options. It was just this is what it is, and this is what we believe, and this is what you should believe. Yeah. It's this particular mm-hmm. one, and it was usually substitution, penal substitutionary atonement was like the the the, the only main one. one. Woven that into the music, woven was, into yeah, the track. Like if you're going to give someone a track. Find in it my forties until I was like, wait, there's more than one belief mm-hmm. system on this i thought that that was heresy or radical or something mm-hmm. so there may be one <laughs> listener out there who is having a moment like i had that was kind of like hold up what so i so, never even thought that we had to think about what the four was for like just this is what we believe well i would say there's a whole group of people out there who would say you don't have to think about what the four is for and they would say that it's just all about faith just believe and i think there's some truth to that because I will never figure out what the four is for. However, how we we practice our faith goes a long way in how we evangelize and how we think about other people coming to faith in Christ, which is important. Uh, how that plays out goes a long way toward what we actually foundationally believe about that. that well, first explain what atonement means. I mean, what is the definition of atonement? Some people may not even know what that means. Well, I have a feeling you're ready to give us that information. <laughs> well, I can. It's but. the name of a movie, I think. <laughs> uh, before, before you give us um, your definition, let me tell you how um, a story. Okay. Story, story time. time. Story, story time. time with Jamie. Uh, uh, in a, in Jamie. a long time ago in a galaxy far away called um, Arlington. Uh, I was a young seminary student, and I was wrestling with all these issues, but I had a day job. Like most seminary students, you have to, you have to make money, because I, I had a family. Um, Bell was still in diapers and formula, which means we were broke, um, and I was teaching. If you can imagine, I was the worst school teacher in the history of the world just imagine what, me I what class that. age topic that. what were you teaching i was teaching general curriculum for fifth and sixth graders There's in a private problem in a private christian fifth school and sixth graders what did <laughs> you say general general curriculum so we would do math we would do language oh, okay. we would do science and 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 we also had bible lessons because it was a private christian school uh, which was great. And P.E. P.E. was where I'd break the children. Uh, <laughs> we're going to play football now. Just run. I'll throw it as hard as I can. Uh, it was just, just, a, just imagine me in this environment. I was horrible. Um, I think you were probably great. I think you probably got frustrated if the, the children did not take it nearly as serious as you did. Um, and that's a wonderful group to try and I was listening to say, let's take into consideration. <laughs> well, looking back in hindsight, the kids were amazing. They 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 actually had a large amount of grace toward me. 
um, even some parents did. I mean, they had to have known. I'm like 21 <laughs> years old, 22 years old. I don't know how to teach children any. I don't know enough to teach anybody anything. But one of the things that I was learning at seminary, we were studying atonement. And one of the other teachers, who was about my age, maybe even a little younger, I used to wear teachers in air quotes. We were on payroll. We were given the job of teaching. None of us really knew what we were doing because this is a private Christian school. They're just putting anyone live bodies in there. There were a couple of teachers who were great, um, not us. <laughs> uh, but this other teacher, she was teaching fourth grade. And uh, we had a, a discussion, and, and I was telling her, I'm, I said, I'm really wrestling with the four, and I'm wrestling with what atonement means. And she's, she's smacking her bubble. Going, well, just can, can you see her, you know, shaking her head? Well, here's how I've always thought about it. She goes over to the board, and she writes atonement on the, the uh, blackboard. We don't they even have dry erase board. This is how you know, low-funded we were. She writes atonement on the blackboard, and she draws a line between A-T and O, right, at, and then she draws a, draws a, a, a line between the E and the M, and she says, all atonement is is you're at one minute with God. <laughs> that's what it is. You're at one minute. That's, that's what I believe. Wow. Problem solved. And then she walked <laughs> off, like like, exactly like, the next problem, please. Uh, and I, I remember... Assume. Oh. <laughs> but for her, that worked. And that, that has never actually worked for me, necessarily, at one minute. There's more going on than that. Because all that does is describe the result. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the after. Right. Yeah. I believe that because of what Jesus has done, I can be in community, mm -hmm. in relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and with other believers. I believe in that, but that doesn't tell me what's going on. Mm -hmm. So, Misty, give us some definition that doesn't involve well. lines through <laughs> words. And smacking your bubble go. <laughs> um, atonement is making something wrong right. It's correcting um, the issue. If, if something happens and... You know, I'll use Greg as an example because he's he's mine. He does something; it makes people angry, and no, then I come up and Greg. I try to make his bad behavior okay, justifiable. Um, atonement; it, it's making you know our sins, forgiveness of our sins, making it right, making us right. So you pay them off. Yes. So that's that's one <laughs> idea of atonement is restitution. Yes. Um, that somebody was paid off. And I think that's your penal substitution. Mm -hmm. So, um, Mr. Fundamentalist down there, <laughs> give us the definition of that theory of the atonement. What is penal substitution, which is the one, it's in all of our songs, the, you know, uh, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. Jesus paid it all. Keep going. Keep going. That's all I got. I was just talking about the um, definition of atonement in general. I mean, not. Oh, I agree. You know what I mean? Yeah. I agree. So, so just making something wrong, right? Writing a problem. And 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 so that idea of um, paying off, making so like mm -hmm. um, 
I'm not going to take a side on this. I'm not going to say right or wrong. One big discussion in race relations in the United States for like all my life has been the the idea of paying restitution to those who had ancestors who were slaves. Reparations, mm-hmm. reparations, yeah. restitution, uh, as an idea of atonement. That mm-hmm. that even you could never pay enough money to make that stain go away. Right. Kind of symbolically, but at it, least. But it's, it's at least a gesture. We were wrong. Mm-hmm. We know it was wrong, and you were put back. So that's the idea behind it. Yeah. Um, sort, sort of the idea. Well, as far as the penal substitutionary atonement theory goes, um, or, well, or, or the version that I grew up with was we're bad and sinful and evil as humans in our original um, state, and God can't look on sin, but if he were to cure or fix the problem with sin in us, uh, you know, we're, we're just condemned to hell forever, and therefore we needed an innocent person to stand in our place, and so God beat, beat the hell out of his own son, basically, substituting him on our behalf and then raising from the dead. He took all of his ra- wrath and anger out on him instead of us, and so we should then therefore be grateful um, that now God can look on us and, and be happy and, and love us. And this, I think, perpetuated for me the problem of, okay, I like Jesus then, if that's what he did on my behalf, but I'm not sure I can trust this God because he sure sounds like a lot of earthly fathers who's got this hair-trigger temper who um, he had to beat somebody else up um, to feel, you know, whoop somebody to, 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 to solve whatever his anger issue was over, over sin. It was all about anger and um, uh, violence almost. It was a very grim, and it was used, it was painted in a picture to almost a way to shame you, really. Um, but that's what I was told, and that's what I believed, and that's what I kind of grew up. Um, and like you were saying, why does it matter? Because that becomes the basis for think it was um oh i can't think of that theologian uh, there was some guy who basically said you can kind of chart the trajectory of a man's life based on his view of god meaning whatever image you have of god it's going to affect how you live in one way or the other um, whether you rebel against that image or whether you um, are afraid of it so you're constantly trying to to do good and and try harder things like that. But that that was my version of, of what I what I grew up with. So many of the of the atonement theories want to take um you know, want to strip it down to just we're bad people and and we need Jesus, you know, and that's it. Which which deals honestly with sin. The, right. that, that's the strength yeah. of the penal substitution theory is that it deals honestly with the the, the, the ugliness Mm-hmm. Of our sin, the best, the best sermon I ever heard on this uh, was Boys Camp. Um, way back, I'm, I'm bringing a lot of my past into this. RAs, some of you will know what RAs are. Mm-hmm. That my one, our one list. Yeah. yeah. So taking these kids to RA camp, and it's like it's like children's camp, but with a, with guns mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and fire, big fires. And so every night we'd have a big fire, uh, a campfire kind of thing, and. And we'd sing some songs on a guitar. We'd, ha- we'd have our dinner there. It was really kind of nice, right? The boys smelled bad because they hadn't <laughs> bathed since we got there. <coughs> and so it was good to the outside. And then the, the camp pastor would come and he would uh, preach. And, and what he would, what he did, and he's brilliant, such a great communicator, so good. 
And this and, and penal substitution preaches really well. That's one of the reasons why mm-hmm. I think it's so popular. Yeah. And so he starts off by telling all these boys this story about this kid at school who's really, really bad. And everyone knows he's bad. And so the first night he introduces the kid. Is this story that bad, Joni? You're looking at your watch already. <laughs> <laughs> There's a big clock behind Daryl, but Joni looks at her watch to make sure that I know this story's already I, bad. I got a text and it always makes me nervous when my kid's on the road. It's good. Keep going. She's not All looking right. at time. She's looking right. at the text. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. She has a fancy watch. watch. Uh, fancy, fancy. Okay. You said people should be valued. I was just doing. Just <laughs> I didn't say through. that. <laughs> uh, so the, he said that. So the boy's bad, and he he cheats, and he's mean. He pushes people around. That's the first day. The second day of camp, he kind of introduces some of the specifics. He won't mind the teacher. His grades are awful. He's you know he just says mean things. Uh, pulls the wings off butterflies, and you know, it's just a really a horrible kid. And then the third day of camp, it's like the kid finally gets caught, and he's brought up before the the teacher. And and this is back in the days when you spanked children, and and the and the the principal comes in with his giant paddle and is gonna have to give this kid. 10 and we everyone knows it's gonna be hurting because everyone knows this principles they brought out the big guns to really give him the just and then the last night of camp the preacher's like but there was a good kid who never did anything wrong who was kind and sweet and loved his mama and loved his daddy and obeyed his teachers and all the kids in the classroom loved that kid and when the 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 principal reared back to begin to swat the boy who was so bad. The good kid stood up and said, no, please, please <laughs> spare him. And a, a, a Queen's English accent. Exactly. <laughs> no, we shall take the, the punishment. Please it's don't. Just, it's, I'll please take don't. his licks for him. Let him go. He is to be excused. I will take the punishment. And so then the kid kid comes up, and the principal is like, uh, but are you sure? Yes. The principal just lays into the good kid because <laughs> someone's got to get the punishment. It's the rules. Someone's got to. And then the pr- camp pastor says, now who wants to accept this good kid as Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And they're like, yeah, <laughs> he'll take all my licks for me, right? It's like every kid gets saved. <laughs> Baptize them there to create. But it, just, it was, um, uh, it preaches really well. Yeah, and that's that's the strength though that and deals honestly with the sin. It touches our um, inborn, if you will, um, sense of shame. If you can tweak people's shame and their fear, I mean that's what a lot of the media does in today's world. They don't present the news; they present it in a way that makes you scared or ashamed or something, so you'll keep watching. But it makes you either want to be the good kid. I want to be like that. Yeah, yeah. Or feel ashamed for being the bad kid because someone else got the punishment, and it—I think it's a, almost emotional manipulation in many ways. Um, yeah. So that's the strength of the penal substitution. You also brought up the the weakness of it. What's the weakness mm-hmm. of the penal substitution theory? It it makes your view of God where it's a bad God. He's a child abuser, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Right. Um, and it's I'm doing this because I love you. And this is why okay. you get the, the idea of the God of the Old Testament is this mean, nasty yeah. person. Right. But Jesus is our, he loves me. And so you, mm-hmm. it's um, very unfortunate in that regard. And I think that's what a lot of people only have, that penal substitution view. And, you know, it, like I was 
like you said, and I'll follow up on, is that it it begins to play out in how we do everything as far as in, in a church setting or whatever. Um, I, I saw a video the other day, and I've just come across a little short clip. Um, you know, last last podcast I mentioned the the fundies um, getting on this TikTok channel that highlights the independent fundamentalist. I wish Baptist. everyone listening could see the shame and guilt <laughs> Daryl has as he says the phrase TikTok. It's like well, you he see. hates to admit that him. Season two, it was Harry Potter. Season three, it was Enneagram. (laughs) Season four, it's TikTok. So what's... (laughs) They're shaming me. Daryl is a 15-year-old girl. (laughs) But it was a clip. It was a clip of this pastor. And and immediately my reaction was compared against um, our church and even things you said from the pulpit. It's this pastor standing up there talking... Um, to this church, and he's talking about whooping his kid, whooping kids, whooping kids. You need to whoop them, and you need to whoop them until they get it. And just like, I mean, basically saying beats not on, but the context was he was talking about keeping kids quiet in church. Mm. And he says, he, he, he actually made it, he actually said it. What I have to say is important, and I'm tired of being interrupted by these kids. You need to whoop them until they know how to act in church. Wow. And I got to thinking, didn't Jesus say something about bringing the children to me or whatever? And so it's created. <laughs> That's this my favorite <laughs> Jesus story when Jesus says, <laughs> whoever smacks the least of these. <laughs> and so it was just this contrast of That's how do terrible. you get to that point where you're standing in a pulpit thinking, I'm God's mouthpiece and I'm so important that I don't want to be interrupted by a, a kid. And then as opposed to you, you're like, let the kids cry let him scream it reminds us why we're here it reminds mm-hmm. us of of life and mm-hmm. and and have the faith of a child you know and so it just was like oh, it made me so frustrated and i think when you have a view of this heavy-handed god like that like mm-hmm. Joni said um it comes out in how you teach how you preach mm-hmm. how you mm-hmm. treat other people i think that's true let me uh, we don't have a pulpit in our church, no. Let me move that out. So you said from the pulpit, so very I, traditional um, platform. So the the so when I go to the movie, I like to mo- I watch movies. I still need to see Licorice Pizza. <laughs> um, I love to go watch the movies and see all the Oscar movies and stuff like that. But when I go see the movie, I don't want the kids screaming in the movie the theater, mm. right? That's I've paid money for that, and I want to be entertained. I want to watch it. So if you have a three-year-old kid at the movie theater, don't bring that kid yeah. in to watch, you know, adult movie. Belfast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not adult <laughs> movie. That's <laughs> adult movies, so I don't watch those. No, but you know what I mean. Not a kid movie. Grown-up I movie. can see, a, you know, somebody bringing a three-year-old to a kid movie, but... If, if I'm watching Encanto, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's different. That's different. part of the experience. But right. if, I, if I'm watching Belfast or, or um, you know, something that's serious and weighty, Keep so the at home. the movie, you want to whoop the kids, no, beat them into... No, no, no. <laughs> don't bring them. The point I'm making is this. But at church, I'm not being entertained. At church, what I'm doing, when I'm at worship, I'm in community, and I'm growing, and I have a responsibility to teach children how to do the same thing mm-hmm. as they grow up. Right. So my expectations... We, the, uh, the, w- the way you get the pastor up there who says those things, whoop your kid, keep him quiet, is because he believes he's entertaining. Mm-hmm. It's a show. It's a production. And he's got to, just like the movie theater, it's a production value. And so children mess it up for everybody else. 
because that's what he thinks he's doing. Mm -hmm. And that's his, his theology is just flawed mm -hmm. from start to finish mm -hmm. on who God is, what children are, yeah. and what he worship is. is. And well, his role, too, yeah. And, I was and now we're chasing rabbits. <laughs> I was going to just say, you know, the teaching of the atonement to the, the newer generation churches, um, you know, there are a lot of New Testament teachings. But people fail to realize, I think, that, you know, atonement starts, I mean, it's from Old Testament to New Testament. It's from beginning to end. I mean, the Bible is one whole story. You can't just take part of it. You know, and I think a lot of times that people, they don't see that, that it's not just something that happened when Jesus died for our sins. It started back, you know, in Exodus, Leviticus, with uh, the atonement, atonement the sacrifices, the, idea of, the rituals. Gonna, and the pay, pay for what yeah. I've done. So we've talked about this penal substitution theory, which I think is probably the, the dominant view in most Baptist yeah. churches. And probably the, if you were to ask anyone just you know john off the street at church that's they're going to give you some version of that mm -hmm. um, and therefore the the result is you pray the prayer to receive the good jesus into your heart and he'll save you from to all to, the bad things to offset the wrath yeah uh another that's close to that is the ransom theory mm -hmm. now now the ransom theory is different how's it different mm -hmm. who knows it's the the devil satan exactly. and came and makes kind of makes him the the victor instead of jesus so yeah so so the ransom theory is that human beings are held captive by the devil and jesus has paid the ransom being held uh to get us free Back. yeah now, now so it's close to the penal substitution in that Someone's being paid off. Mm -hmm. In the penal substitution, it's God's being paid off. It's the wrath of God must be satisfied. Mm -hmm. The justice of God must be satisfied. God is so self-absorbed and vengeful that he can't overcome his own need for bloodlust that Jesus has to go to the cross for it. Mm -hmm. That's the penal substitution. The, the ransom theory is the devil has so much power that he has taken humanity hostage and God's only way of getting them back, the only way he can defeat the devil is by paying ransom. Now, there's some really there's some real strength to that. What is the strength of the before we tear it apart for its weaknesses? Mm -hmm. <laughs> what's the strength? Misty's well, shaking her you, head. I mean, if you are not a Christ <coughs> follower, then ultimately you do belong to the devil, you know? And you do. Who who is the, the God of the world, you know? That is Satan. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you are living in sin and he and you do have to, you know, have that salvation to in order for Jesus to, you know, take you back. Both of you, those save fall, you fall, save us. I see what you're saying, but they both fall short for me because it um, it makes Jesus an afterthought. And it, last week when we talked with the Trinity, like. He was from the beginning. He's not an afterthought. So I feel like that makes it like a, oh, hang on. Mm -hmm. right. My people are messing up. Satan took you know. Adam and Eve hostage and and um, requested or required a payment. And, and God's yeah. like, oh, well, how am I going to get them back? And geez, the, the advantage of that one for me over the penal is it at least makes God and Jesus look a little bit more... Um, 
like they're both fighting for us, I guess you could say. Right. It like put, God it, has any, like, yeah. Like it, it puts the Holy Spirit and Jesus just, and yeah. the Father huddled together and mm-hmm. said, what are we going to do? And yeah. Jesus says, I'll go. Yeah. Right. I'll pay the debt. Um, that's the, that's the strength of it. The, one of the weaknesses though, well, there's one more strength for the weakness. And that is it takes the devil seriously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whatever's going on in atonement, the devil has something to do with it. Yeah. Um, and so the, that, that theory has, it puts evil in its place. And that's, uh, we, some, Jesus was doing something on the cross mm-hmm. that had to do with evil. The, well, the best Bible verse to me on this subject is in 1 Corinthians 5, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, it says very bluntly, and we read these too fast sometimes, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that evil aspect, we, we have an evil issue, and Jesus took care of the evil issue. And, 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 and so you're paying off the devil in that way. The real weakness of it is it gives the devil too much power. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say it makes him, kind of, it lifts him up mm-hmm. right. and gives him too much attention. And it weakens power. God. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's one of the questions you'll often get, especially from teenagers. I find their mind is very keen on this because they're, um, you want to know people who, <laughs> if there's a people in this world who will whine about being treated unfairly, it's teenagers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And they question everything. Uh-huh. And so when they hear this, their question is, well, why could, if God is all powerful, why couldn't he just say, you're all forgiven? Mm -hmm. Why did Jesus have to go through all of that? And, 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 and so the question, the, the ransom theory says, because the devil made God. Mm -hmm. And if the devil made God, then God's not all powerful. And so you have a kind of a yin and yang view of the universe where there's two equal powers and the devil is just as powerful Mm -hmm. as god and i reject that out of hand well and we always give satan too much credit and too much power because oh the devil made me do it well no he didn't you know he might have tempted you but he didn't make you do it i tried that in elementary school and and the principal didn't fall for it so you had to get your whooping i did Um, I think we, I think we, there's two errors, Misty. I agree with you. We give the devil too much credit. He's not that powerful. He's not nearly as powerful as God. I'm, in a couple of weeks, I'm preaching a sermon in which I basically say all the devil's, he basically does you know, cheap magic tricks. Mm-hmm. That's like all he's got. He doesn't have real power. Illusions. Yeah. Uh, illusions. Mm-hmm. He's a good note taker. He hears what we say and mm-hmm. watches what we do. Um, but he doesn't have real power. So that's one mistake. But the other mistake is we, we don't take him seriously, seriously. enough. Yeah. Uh, we just dismiss him altogether. And, and that to me, that's the strength of that theory. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and again, that preaches well. Yeah. The devil has you. Every time, um, and I've been, I, it's true, so we say it, but we can, we can take it one step too far. Uh, the devil has you in his grips. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your addiction, your problems, your mm-hmm. sin, you belong to the devil. You need to be free of that. Jesus is here to free you. That's a version mm-hmm. of this ransom theory that yeah. you're held hostage by the devil yeah. uh, in sin. 
uh, I've, I have really monopolized this conversation. <laughs> jump, jump in here, somebody, somebody, help me. So NT Wright, and I want to know where Ooh, this falls in. Do you know, fast. I love NT Wright. So he says, Tom, Tom, we're we're on first name basis, Tom. <laughs> He says, if we take the New Testament seriously, we ought to see that the crucifixion of Jesus is the means by of which, or means by which God's kingdom is actually launched on earth as in heaven, because the powers are defeated and the new world become comes to birth. So not, not so much. We need seventeen podcasts just to unpack <laughs> that. I know statement. one sentence because he's a genius, but um. I don't know if he's really saying that these other atonement theories are not, like, I think he thinks we don't take them seriously enough. Like, we don't take the the meaning of we, Jesus we being on earth enough. Well, let's... Do you want to save that? So... I like it when I make you speechless. I'm <laughs> not speechless. I'm not sure where to go. <laughs> Steam coming out, or there's fire, smoke coming He's out of his ears. His if brain you're going is, to is quote N.T. Wright, please give me the quote at the time. The, the, no, 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 that's fine. I love N.T. Wright. In fact, mm-hmm. I, I, I really respect the work that he's done. Uh, he's more where I'm at in terms of how we work through the Bible. He's not a systematic theologian as much as he is a, let's look what the Bible actually says mm-hmm. and, and pull it out. Um what he, I think he's going to a, another theory of atonement that is more what we might call the governmental theory, um, which sounds dreadful. Uh, it, you know, governments. Mm. Ooh, nothing, nothing gets as quite as excited hey. as governments. And, and the idea in the governmental theory is that God is a king who rules the universe. The, he refers to cosmic implications right. of it. And because of that uh, cosmic kingdom, there are rules. And the rules are that sin is bad. You're supposed to do the right sorts of things. So when the rules get broken, you have to pay the price as the rules. And so what Jesus did on the cross was not so much of paying the penalty for all of our individual sins. What he was doing was putting the cosmic order back together again by paying the price for sin in general, because it's a, it's, a, it's a government situation here. We've got to keep things running right. And that's, I think, that's kind of uh, where he is at with that statement. And I, I wish he were here to defend or to clarify more clearly what he, where he's at, but I agree with him that there are cosmic implications. And the atonement is not just so Jamie can live without guilt and shame. The atonement is also for there to be a new creation, mm-hmm. right? Right. The, the fulfillment of atonement is not how I feel right now. The fulfillment of atonement, like salvation, these are so closely together, are when I'm in eternity and there's a new heaven and a new earth and Jesus makes all things new. That's the fulfillment of atonement. And it began at the cross. Right. And he talks a lot about we don't value um the humanity enough how god made humanity good and that that um isn't valued enough and that his creation being good is not valued enough well he's episcopalian so they're going to do that well of course and um he also talks about how god really wants to dwell with us and that's the purpose here see and i think that i'm drawing growing more and more closer to that type of a thinking because i grew up with such the i'm I'm, typically you go one way and you swing the other way and like a pendulum hopefully you 
land somewhere in the middle, but I grew up with so much of a, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. God's the angry God. Da, da, na, na, na. Beaten, <laughs> beaten up <laughs> Jesus. Um, no one ever told me you're good or that love. It was like the, the abused wife syndrome where he's beating her, beating her, beating her, and the cops come to intervene, and she's like, don't take him. He loves me, you know, whatever. And we kind of joke about that, but you you almost begin to equate love with being not abusive, but love hurts, I guess you could say. Was that Def Leppard? Um, no, love bites. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there is a love hurts, though, I think. There probably not is. Not Def Leppard, but. And, and I think. Ooh, <laughs> love hurts. That's it. Yeah. So anyway, d- I'm tracking with what you're saying there, Joni, about um, I think we took that and we ran with it when God's so holy in his white robe and he can't, we, he can't handle sin and us horrible peons um, and this almost beating us down in our own mentality and, and convincing us that he loves us. But even though he loves us, it's it's going to hurt mm-hmm. because we're so bad and we deserve it. Yeah. That, and that. how are we ever going to measure up to that? Exactly. How is it ever going to? Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's a lot. And that leads us into like so many of these others uh, views. And there's like five or six serious ones. Um, what we haven't talked about is uh, one that is, I think, dominant. Certainly in the in the 1900s, it came out of the uh, Second Great Awakening in a lot of ways, and that's the example theory. <laughs> not, when, not second you, grade. That's exactly second what I heard. Great. I heard you say the Second Great Awakening. <laughs> second Great Awakening. Great. Second Great. Like, do I say something, or is that just? Anyway, maybe we, maybe we can edit that out. If I did say second no, grade. No, you didn't. That's just what it would, um, our brains the, are weird. The awakenings. <laughs> um, and the example theory, the idea that what you have is nothing spiritual per se happened on the cross. That it wasn't one of those um, uh, ransom payments or wrath and justice had to be paid or that the laws of the universe were broken, but that what Jesus did essentially on the cross was he showed us the way of godly love is sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And and by that, uh, the idea here being love covers a multitude of sins. Mm-hmm. And so when you love other people and you sacrifice for them, you're following Jesus' example, mm-hmm. and he showed us the way forward and how we should behave. And this is an increasingly popular idea of uh, what do we do with our own lives. So if you, if you view the atonement as Jesus having this great example for us, well, that, that changes who you are as a Christ follower. You're no longer living in shame and guilt over, um, you know, some past sin or just who you are in general, what you now change, your mind changes, I am following Christ's example of sacrificing for other people. Um, I think probably the most famous, Schweitzer was the most famous proponent of this, uh, so much so that, you know, famous person goes and does um, medical missions, basically, uh, humanitarian help, uh, gives his life doing that, because that's what, he believed the gospel called him to do as an atonement idea. Um, the example. Now, that the st- what's the strength of that? Well, Jesus did leave 
live a life led by example. We are supposed to follow his example. But, you know, without him going to the cross and shedding his blood, you know, he, he, when he was praying to the Father, is there any other way, you know, and people take that out and it's not as powerful. They don't have as much accountability to no blood being shed. And it's, you know, you take out the blood of the cross and you take, you take out the choice. It's a choice to follow Jesus and to live by his example. But then there's also another part to that. It's not just living by his example that he set and that he left for us. It's, it's I mean, the blood, you, that's what it's all about. So you're struggling with, I like the example, but, but that there's the but. You're taking we, we don't want to remove the spiritual dynamics right. of what's at play. And people say, well, that was such a gruesome scene, and why would he, you know, yeah, it was supposed to be. You know, it means something, and well, people one, water it down. One view on that, too, that I've heard is that um, God praying, or Jesus praying, is there any other way? It, it wasn't the physicality of the cross as much as we talked about the Trinity last week and how interconnected they are is that when you have the sense of sin and shame, it wasn't that it separated Jesus from God. I don't buy the God turned his back on his son. I, I, I don't mm-hmm. go with that, but it creates a blindedness on our part to feel separated. Mm-hmm. And I know some would say that Jesus's agony over that was, he was going to have to go through this sense of being separate from his father when they had, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit had infinitely been um, together. Mm-hmm. Well, let's pivot there for a moment. Uh, that's a good, because w- you went to, you, you, again, you're on the cross. What happened? Mm-hmm. What does it mean for our sins? What mm-hmm. something happened, and you refer to the, the, the preacher line that on the cross, the, the darkness came and God turned his back mm-hmm. on the sun because he couldn't look on sin. Jesus became mm-hmm. sin. Uh, another concept here is that Jesus descended into hell and that atonement was, this is the, almost the Christus Victor idea, not, okay. not, not that there is a governmental victory, but that he launched warfare as such and he marched on hell and he defeated Satan. He didn't pay Satan off. It's not a <laughs> ransom. He went he down went there and, took and he <laughs> took the gates of hell and he defeated it. But to do so, he had to literally go through hell, mm-hmm. which is where the blood and the pain and the suffering and that, you know. And the, why have you forsaken me? You can't do atonement without that. Yeah. My mm-hmm. God, my Eloi, Eloi, Lama, Sabachthani, mm-hmm. my God, my God, why have you forsaken and me? We've got to remember, and this is what I think our brains struggle with, is he's fully human going right. through that. He's not dipping in and out of being God and human. and There's no way it didn't hurt him that much. Yeah. And I, I, I can't emphasize that enough. Because it makes it easier on us. We're, we don't have to feel that. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it's all about us at that point. Yeah. And so for me, I don't. I, 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 did God turn his back on his son? No. But I, I may gently disagree with your uh, uh, assessment. My understanding is, in a way, the spiritual dynamics, in a way I can't understand it, the sins of humanity were heaped on Jesus. 
And so he felt it all. Mm. Every lie, every blade of murder, every Jew in a gas chamber, every... Um, uh, uh, the full weight of The sin. killing fields, Pol Pot, uh, all of that, every, every woman who's ever been raped, every child who's ever been abused, he felt it, mm. all of it. The shame and the... Somehow, he... And, and, and this is where his humanity is crushed under that but only his divinity could withstand it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the four, right? I've been wrestling Mm -hmm. with this four for a long time. What does it mean that he died for our sins? Mm -hmm. Well, in some way, that means he had to bear it. And I don't think that God turned his back on his son in that I've given up on him because now I I can't look at him. He's hideous. But I do believe that when Jesus bore that sin, he who knew no sin, he had never had that. Because he's God, he's perfect. Somehow in that way, his dynamic with the Father and the Holy Spirit was changed. Mm-hmm. Because suddenly he's carrying this sin. Mm-hmm. And and, and um, the perfect communion that he had always had was now no longer what it was. Mm-hmm. Because that's what sin does. Sin yeah. does separate. And if he's going to carry it, he has to, he, it has to have an effect. Now, yeah. He it, who what, became sin. Right, he became sin. Now, he didn't stay sin. No. And so I, I don't want to take the point too far, uh, but that's the descending into hell, that he goes through this process, and, 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 he, and, and he goes there, and he defeats hell, and that's what. And resurrection is the proclamation of that, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, victory, Christus mm-hmm. victory. Gustav Alon made that very, very uh, predominant. And I, I, to me, that's a really strong understanding. As a mm-hmm. storyteller, mm-hmm. that's a strong... I like this is Captain Jesus who mm-hmm. says, I'm going to go down and I am going to, um, this is John Wick Jesus. I'm going <laughs> to take the, I'm, I'm going to bind the strong man in his home. Kim would watch mm-hmm. that. Kim would watch that over <laughs> and, and over and, and, and over and again. Jesus killed Jesus. the devil with the pencil, you know. Um, so that that's the, that descend, and that, there's some real strength in that. I think it falls apart though because. Fine. Tell me, Joni, <laughs> how does it fall apart? Well, I think it falls apart with that if he defeated Satan, but Satan still does rule our world in some ways. So this is where he defeated Satan. He defeated the power of sin. But isn't it still our responsibility or our freedom to choose to to step into surrender and step into that resurrected life or not. I don't know if that gets at what you were in heaven and hell. I mean, that's when hell was, there's still a hell. Yeah. Yeah. But old Testament, it, you know, and now new Testament it's, he had to make a way for that. Mm -hmm. So the, the best answer is by analogy for you on that. And I don't, I'm not a defender of it per se. I'm just saying what they would probably argue. I'm just saying what the listeners are going to say. All two of them. <laughs> Greg. <laughs> Kelly. Um, the Joe. We have three. Yeah. Um, the, by way of analogy. So World War II is a good example. It's a great struggle. By the time we get all of our forces onto France, D-Day's over. Mm-hmm. We move through France. We're on our way to we're on our way to Berlin, and so are the Russians from the east. Germany's defeated. 
the defeat is certain. It's just a matter of when. Mm-hmm. But now you still have this w- horrible offensive that the Germans launched called the Battle of the Bulge, mm-hmm. in which it was terrible, right? There in the forest, it was lots of people died. It was the fighting was fierce. Would it change the outcome of the war? No. no. And they would say, what for since since the cross, we've been in the Battle of the Bulge. That the defeat is certain, but the devil is still kicking. He's defeated, he's beaten, but he's not completely vanquished. And that's what the ultimate triumph of well, the, the revelation is. And if you would take, take current events into to light, the same force that drove Germany is still alive in the world today. And though that war was won and a lot of good things came from it, we obviously still have people who want to... Um, not live that way (laughs) (laughs) naked aggression is always i don't know when you're listening to this we are recording this uh i think on march 1st march 1st of 2022 um at a time in which uh by the time you listen maybe i'll solved and wrapped up in some way shape or form uh the russian federation has invaded ukraine and we're seeing a repeat of some of the activities of world war ii Um, so that's the the Christus Victor idea. So we talked about that one. We've talked about the example theory. We've talked about the governmental theory. Ransom. We've talked about the ransom theory, and we've talked about the uh, the wrath of God penal substitution idea. Yeah. Uh, and there, all of these are there. And different traditions will emphasize different ones. I think mm-hmm. this is one of those weird ones where traditional Roman Catholic theology aligns pretty close mm-hmm. with the most fundamentalists are penal mm-hmm. substitution mm-hmm. Uh, so without the atonement is there's no salvation so does atonement is it the same thing as salvation I, I would argue atonement is the means by which salvation occurs we cannot live a saved life and enjoy eternal life in the future without the work of atonement dealing with sin restitution Mm-hmm. Start with your original definition. Atonement is making something right. Mm-hmm. You can't be saved without it having to be made right. You're always in jeopardy if you haven't. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 that's how I would describe that. But for the people that that believe some of these theories that take the you know the true atonement out, take Jesus off the cross, they're not. I mean, I don't understand how they can say that there's saved okay so you're having a hard time with the the example you're still you're that's, still living there yeah that makes me angry wow. <laughs> okay <Sorry>. i'm done didn't hear that. Uh, don't let it make you angry and i know it all comes down to the heart and so these people love jesus right they just understand what he did differently and i want to emphasize when jesus calls us to follow come follow me he does not say you must check off what you believe. What do you believe about happened on the cross? You just really need to believe that he did it. Yeah. So th- this is not a litmus test for orthodoxy. Right. What the litmus test for orthodoxy is is you believe Jesus actually did um, redeem yeah. us. Yeah. Okay. I see to that. use John's word, he became a propitiation for our sins. Yeah. Whatever that means, because we you, you got spent a long time figuring it out. But you bring us to a great place, maybe a summary point. There, I don't know how far we are into this. Probably about uh, 52 50, minutes. 55 minutes. That's what my chronometer is there. Um, so where are we at? Which one do you like? Well, I'm going <laughs> to 
I have a, a simplistic analogy that doesn't, I don't, it may fit in one of these, um, and it doesn't answer all the questions, but it, it has helped me with more of a daily practical application of the cross, and it's the, the chemotherapy illustration. And it's where, um, if you think of Jesus and um, the Holy Spirit and God, the Father are all these brilliant doctors, um, and um, or to make it take the God factor out of it, you've got a father and a son and a grandson, and they're all uh, the two. The father and son are brilliant doctors, and the grandson has this blood disease, and um, he needs a treatment, but he's too small, and the treatment would kill him. But if the father took the blood from the grand or his son into his and then absorb the treatment and this particular treatment would involve him to to die and then the grandfather would have to do medical things and resurrect him then he would have the antibodies in his blood that can be then given to his son and and cure him. All right, I don't know if you're following me. Sorry, my brain, this makes the sense. The Frankenstein <laughs> theory of atonement. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, but It's a lie. But the, the father um, who's going through the chemotherapy, so to, he has to entrust himself into the grandfather's um, doctor's hands to bring him back and, and trust that it's going to work. You know, it's, it's a gamble. I'm going to literally die and I may or may not come back. Um, what it does for me is it, it paints a little bit of a picture of maybe what Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit were doing. They were working together. Uh, like you said earlier, I don't believe it was God's mad at Jesus and beat him up and the Holy Spirit's just watching it all. I think they were all three conspiring together since before the creation of the world. And Jesus surrendered himself into the hands of his Father and trusted the resurrection and what that tells me is that's the invitation I think of baptism is this picture and this image of God is inviting us into surrendering daily into circumstance by circumstance when we're when we're struggling with wanting to control life and make it work he's saying will you trust me to bring life out of this will you trust me to bring life out of your life and it and it, and it draws me closer to a, a surrender and and a daily faith whereas some of these in my mind, make it about a one-time decision so I can get my ticket to heaven, and then now my job is to live my life thanking God and telling other people. And it's a it's a very intellectually cold. It's a, it's just like oh I checked the box so so I'm good. And so I don't know if any of that made any sense, but that has helped me. I, I, if it helps you, that's good. Um, that <laughs> but <laughs> it's dumb. <laughs> no no no. I, I would label, I would label it as a therapeutic view. Yeah. That that. It's a, the mm-hmm. healer Jesus has applied his own blood to to solve the the defect in ours. Um, that that's um, it's not a bad way of looking at it. So you've you've diffused them. I I do think that it's not necessarily that you check off a that's check off a box. I think it does for some of us see it that way in our own personal lives. I would emphasize the ongoing nature of atonement. It's, it's not a one and done. Mm-hmm. Jesus did it once, mm-hmm. but for the application of it, I mean, he, to use your therapeutic model, he distilled the uh, cure in terms of a shot uh, once, but I need that cure over and over, over again because yeah. I'm a, 
I'm a, I'm a, I have a chronic disease. Yeah. Am I still living like I have the disease, mm-hmm. or am I living mm-hmm. as a cured? Mm-hmm. Joni, what do you like? I bet you love some <laughs> penal substitution. Being a, <laughs> being a teacher, I bet you just want to whoop somebody. No, no. I, I really like what N.T. Wright has going on here. Fine. We've talked for an hour uh, about this. Sorry. She goes back to N.T. Wright. <laughs> I just, that I, guy. That guy. I don't she know. She has a, a crush on him. I, theological I, crush. Can you have that? I think you I think you can. Oh, I, I've got a so. theological crush. I brought her in here. Uh, I didn't, didn't even look at it, but Fleming Rutledge, so I understand. Mm. Uh, I wish she was my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> so I think maybe just a little bit of, of all of it. I, You know, at one point you said, if, if we could understand it, it wouldn't be God. Mm. And I feel like that is is kind of where I am on this. Like, mm. we weren't made to understand it. Mm. But you have a favorite. Well, yeah. I also have a favorite kid, but I'm not going to talk about, about it. I was just about to say that. <laughs> just kidding. I don't have a favorite kid. Poor Anne-Marie. They don't listen. Uh, all right. Not how do all. you, Misty, where are you at? We got a favorite. I don't I don't know. I know I you just, don't like the example. I don't like the example. <laughs> and in the whole plan of salvation is, is that you believe that Jesus died you for your sin so i'm having a hard time taking that out um so he still did die for your sins I know. it's just what well, it's for but if if people aren't taking that seriously he took the sins our sins mm-hmm. then what do you have um you know what do you there's no accountability there it's like what's the point of mm. of taking jesus as my savior what did he do that was so you know that's so special and that's kind of what i think about when i think of a lot of these um so i don't know i don't know i'm at a place where i think all of them have elements of truth yeah and so i think that all of them are accurate at different places in our uh, understanding Mm -hmm. um uh, the scripture is clear in the sense that Jesus did pay something, mm-hmm. the scripture is clear that he, um, you know, propitiated, he propitiated, mm-hmm. he put something there that was in place of something else, himself, his own blood. Um, the you know, the Old Testament, uh, the best commentary on the Old Testament view of atonement comes from the book of Hebrews. Without mm-hmm. the shedding of blood, there is no mm-hmm. remission of sin, mm-hmm. um, which is another way of saying about atonement. Mm-hmm. So there was there was a, there was a death. I think, to me, the idea of defeating the devil, a uh, Christus Victor, is very strong. I, I do I, like that. I love that idea. It, it does fall apart. The fall apart weakness on that is it's too time-driven. It's the um, part of the answer to the, it's part of the answer to the question, what did Jesus do while he was dead? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. why did he wait three days? Mm-hmm. Why didn't he pop back up, you know? <laughs> Like um, uh, Neo in the Matrix, can't kill me, boom, I'm right back again. <laughs> Why did they have to put him in the tomb? Um, and so uh, it answers that question, where, where, right. where was he? Well, he was fighting hell mm-hmm. during that. And I don't, I think it's true, but it's too spatial. I, uh, and it makes for a good story. Little, it does. It, and it, 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 takes, it helps with the Apostles' Creed mm-hmm. understanding. It helps with some of Peter's writings understanding uh, of what he did. Uh, so I, I, there's elements. Of, I like the example. I, I, I like it more than I'm, certainly Misty does. Uh, <laughs> not in terms of denying the spiritual aspects. I very much believe in the spiritual aspects mm-hmm. of it. But I think we underplay just what an example. I mean, 
before he was murdered the next day, he's in the upper room and he washes his disciples' feet and he says, Mm -hmm. what I'm doing to you, you do to others. Mm -hmm. And I think that carries over into the next day. What I'm about to do tomorrow, you're going to have to do for other people. um, I think about our own lives. One of the I like to think I invented this one, so maybe I didn't. I probably, every one of us would say, I'd die for you. If it, I, I'd die for Daryl. I'd die for Misty. I'd die for Joni. I, I, would, I would gladly lay down my life for those that I love. But you asked me to come help you move furniture on a Saturday afternoon, and I've got 15 excuses on why I can't come do that. Mm-hmm. So I'll die for you, but I will not move your sofa. That's logically inconsistent. We will not die for them if we will not have them move their sofa. Mm-hmm. Um, sacrifice is not just about dying for someone. It's about living in community with them mm-hmm. with grace and mercy and help and sharing. And so for me, that's a powerful aspect. I think there's just different pieces of it that come together at different times that help us understand. But there is no one, for me, overarching theory that answers everything. Yeah, I can see something in all of these at different times. So I I still haven't saw what's the (laughs) 4-4. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. I don't understand exactly what happened. Again, that's where faith comes Mm -hmm. into play. I just know that Jesus did it. We don't understand. He did it, and I'm still wrestling with it. Maybe eternity, I'll have some time to think about that. And I'm not saying that that's the the only thing that I you know focus on it's just it's a it's a big part of it though but jesus is he's big and there's lots of parts to it so it makes it exciting what's next week Ooh, on. next week is uh, we didn't even crack heaven. open that yep. alcoholic and all this because he did, that's all just <laughs> he's a poser <laughs> so next week is heaven? heaven that's a logical follow-up to this one yeah uh, good heaven. stuff good stuff all right Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, Be safe. Love each other. Um, Go to church. Go to church. Be nice to each other. Help people move furniture. Help them move furniture. (laughs) Just don't call Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye, guys. See ya. Bye. See you soon. Peace out.